best thing you can do is keep your mouth closed and listen to what they have to say. And when they say something important, acknowledge that you understood what they said, because that goes a long way to booking the appraisal, getting the job, and establishing a relationship with that individual uh, that they're comfortable with. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name is Rick Nusky. Welcome back if uh, you are a um, regular listener and if you're new to the show, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. Now, on today's show, I'm talking with the wonderful David Williams. He is the owner and founder of Auto Appraisal Network. And we're going to be talking about his business, Auto Appraisal Network, and we're going to take a deeper dive into the important role of the auto appraiser and what makes an auto appraiser successful and the different ways to determine replacement value. Now, that's a, a mouthful, isn't it, David? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's absolutely great to have you here. Now, uh, David and I were just uh, speaking a little earlier about uh, the ins and outs of the Auto Appraiser Network, and there's a lot for us to cover in a relatively short amount of time. But um, first of all, David, um, let's uh, learn a little bit more about you. Where are you located? Where's home for you? I'm right here in uh, Orange, Orange County, California, Southern California. Fantastic. And it's uh, obviously summertime there? Yes, it is. Now, um, being that you're in the uh, automotive industry, do you uh, do you have hobbies? And would one of them be cars? Yes, obviously, yeah. I, I, I'd spend a lot of time going car shows, and uh, a lot of my friends have collectible cars. Uh, we, I work on my own personal vehicle, and so, uh, yeah, I would... Me and all, all my peers uh, all, all have uh, that automotive bug in common. Do you have uh, um, one in particular in your collection, or do you just have one? Or <laughs> I don't have. You know, it's funny. As an appraiser, I don't have a collection. I I have a lot of clients with cars. Yep. And uh, I end up with a lot of friends with uh, that ask ask me to hold their vehicles. So they're like, you know, one of, one of my friends is getting divorced. He says, "Please stash this car for me." And and uh, I'll keep it insured and registered, and you can drive it. So yeah, I have a lot of a lot of different cars: Porsches, Ferraris, um, exotic cars, you know, basic cars. But yeah, I I love I love having cars, and and I always had some uh, some really nice cars in our in our office. Do you have a favorite? Uh, as far as a favorite, I don't have a f- favorite car. I I like some obscure cars. A uh, 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 Di Tommaso Pantera is one of my favorite cars. Mm-hmm. So if I had to, if I had to have a yep. one right now, I'd say I'd, I'd love to have a Pantera. Yeah, you know what? We've got a, a place called the uh, Birdwood um, Museum here, uh, uh, mm-hmm. where I live, and they have all of the eras of vehicles and it is a, an amazing experience when you go to these places and they start off with the you know the wooden wheel type vehicle all the way up to current day and everything in between um, it's like going through a times like a time warp do you uh, i guess my question is how far back in the auto appraiser um, business do you go with the vehicles um we i mean on a regular basis um i, I appraise uh, uh, brass era cars to 1890. Um, so, you know, they're all, you know, some of the original vehicles that, um, um, you know, from the from the day, I, I remember uh, one of the cars that stands out the most is uh, one of the original Porsches. Uh, it was a, a big wagon wheel type of vehicle, but it was electric. Yep. So, uh, you know, back in the day, 
um, those, those original cars that uh, Porsche was a tractor manufacturer. And so one of their first cars was actually electric. So um, when you when you're in the the appraisal game, you can I, I can only imagine some of the exotics that you would see. What are I guess what are the some of the most expensive ones that you've seen? Oh wow, um, there's there's been a couple that are just like mind boggling. They just I can't believe my eyes when I see it. So one of them would be um, there's uh, one of my clients has what's called a Nart Ferrari. So back in the 60s, um, Ferrari did not produce any convertible cars. And um, the local importer in the United States wanted to import, uh, believed that they could, they would be easier to sell Ferraris um, if they had a convertible. Um, and keep in mind, back in the day, Ferrari didn't have a, have a, a, a dealership network or parts or service or yep. mechanics or anything. And so one of the first cars they came out with, uh, or one of the cars that he wanted imported was called... Um, was a, was a uh, um, it was it was actually a it's called a Berlinette and Berlin. they chopped the roof off it and made it a convertible. So his organization was called the North American Race Team, and so they those early cars. There's ten of them, and they're called NART N A R T. Um, and uh, I, I got to appraise one of those, and um, I have a client that has one uh, yeah. in his portfolio that we update on a regular basis, and it's 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 probably in the fifty million dollar. Um, <sighs> range that's yeah. blow away you know yeah and I, and I sit here thinking to myself i'm looking at and speaking with um an encyclopedia of knowledge um now <laughs> uh, as somebody who has started the business in this game I, i'd love to first learn about the genesis uh of of the organization how did it come about it was it was purely out of necessity. Um, I, I needed to stay employed, and uh, my my I've always uh, prior to being in the appraisal business, I have a, a engineering background. So I worked as a as a, a as electrical engineer. I worked in nuclear physics. I worked on all kinds of accelerator part you know, particle accelerators for the universities. Yep. And um, my job I had right before doing um, auto appraisal business, um, they. Uh, were acquired by a company that was headquartered in Colorado, and uh, you know we were in California, and um, they said that uh, you know they would they would relocate all the you know everybody that needed to go out there, and uh, I declined the uh, the relocation because I'm from California. I didn't I I'm not you know I could I could do something in California and I just get another job. Yep. And so um, basically, out of necessity, they they offered me uh, um, uh, you know a position. Um, helping them transfer um, all of the products that we had in California and all the support and everything to, to Colorado. And uh, during that time, they financed my office, my internet, my cell phones, every, everything I needed um, to run a business, except for I wasn't working full time. Um, I helped them transition everything out to where it needed to go. Um, but in that time period, um, you know, I had uh, I had been doing some some you know, some, my form of a, what an appraisal report was, and my friends would ask me to do these things for them, and I'd do it, and I just developed, um, you know, a system for, you know, sending them photographs and, and uh, communicating with them, you know, value and condition, all this different yep. stuff. Um, since I had developed that, I used the time that um, my employer was paying for um, to look into, you know, if it was a viable business for me to do appraisals, and if I did appraisals, um, if I wanted to do it big, how would I? How how could I utilize people out in local markets in say 
Florida and Maine and Portland and San Diego and all a lot of different people to work together um, to do these appraisals on a national basis. And, you know, what are the legal requirements to do that? Um, you know, what are the pitfalls? Uh, you know, try to try to put together some kind of a business model um, to where, um, I mean, you know, that people people in those markets could do that, and I could utilize what I knew about cars and the the and in the, the the appraisal report that I had developed to have everyone work together and and, and do the same thing in the same quality. So um, I got an attorney, and uh, we figured out um, you know the best plan of action to. Um, you know, for the business, whether it would be, you know, under a licensing agreement or franchising or, yep. you know, uh, you know, individual businesses. So um, I had, I work with uh, CPAs and I work with uh, attorneys and, and work that out. So my previous employer basically funded um, my, my development of auto appraisal network into what it is now. How good is and, that? Um, it just worked out just because I'm a lucky guy. That's the oh, yeah, well, look, they often say the harder you work, the luckier you get, and there's clearly a lot of work that's gone into this. Let's be sure and certain about that much. Now, I think to myself, well, uh, if you have to have a level of knowledge and skill uh, and you have a franchise system, how do you bring in people that are a good fit for your organisation as franchisees? Well, I mean, um, you know, it's, it's, it is by trial and error. Uh, in the early days when we first started out, um, I was very aggressive about um, identifying people with um, that were that were financially qualified to get into this, and probably had probably had less knowledge of automobiles. And I what I quickly found out was that there's a certain social profile that I wanted in an individual that's going to represent our organization. And so um, I kind of you know once I once I understood. Um, what made a good appraiser and what, you know, what made one that was not, not what I wanted. Um, I was able to focus on, on, on a whole different set of people um, and not focus on selling and more focused on um, the individual's capabilities and what their contribution was going to be to the network. So, um, you know, that's kind of the kind of thing that I think you probably in any business um, in the early days, you find out, you probably find out more about what you don't want to do yeah. and um, less less about what you do want to do and the rest kind of falls into place. So with this organization, do you deal with uh, purely automobiles? Who, who do you serve and what type of vehicles? Uh, we, we actually um, uh, do appraisals on all kinds of different vehicles. We, we do appraise airplanes for, for value and um, we appraise... That's one I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, I... Not something I actually wanted to do, but um, a lot of times when you get a, 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 somebody wants an appraisal on an airplane, it's because they have a collection of different vehicles and they may be, maybe they're going through a divorce or it's a, an estate settlement and mm -hmm. they just want somebody to come in and put a value on everything and there happens to be an airplane in the back of the warehouse or a motorcycle <laughs> or a boat or whatever it is. And so um, the process for, for an airplane is not a whole lot different than a car or a motorcycle. I mean, you still need to look at you know what it is. Identify it. Um, yeah. What are you know? What are all the price points on it? What kind of avionics? You know, airframe hours, all that kind of stuff. Um, and surprisingly enough, if you're going to raise an airplane, there's uh, there's software out there that'll help you um, uh, you know work through that and and, and itemize and uh, value all those different attributes. So um, that process um, is it's kind of like with the value guides that we use for cars. And so there's a value guide for airplanes. And uh, there's uh, there's all kinds of value points and, and, and data for uh, motorcycles and boats and 
lot of the different things that we appraise that are not automotive um, mm-hmm. based. Yeah. There's lots going on in the world, as you and I have spoken about earlier, David. Um, and yeah. I just wonder, um, have you needed to innovate to survive? And how has the recent, um, I guess, the goings on around the world uh, affected your business? Yeah. So, um, I mean, in the in the early days, uh, we we've, we've been in business for 16 years, and during mm-hmm. those 16 years, we've had what I'd call two significant downturns that um, could could have wiped us out. But yeah. um, one of the you know one of the things that we did in the early days that we hadn't planned on was um, uh, periodically, you know, we get calls and people ask us to appear in court as expert witnesses. Um, we do appraisals for people getting divorced. We do. You know, we look at people's estates and put values on the estate that, you know, that's been left and, and, you know, help them make choices on, you know, how they want to proceed with the estate. So um, when we in we started this franchise in 2006, um, uh, you know, our focus was going to be on hot rods and high-end cars and everything that you'd see being built on the, on the Discovery Channel. Uh, we did the appraisals on all those vehicles and we knew all the builders and a lot of those builders are right here in Orange County. So that's what we focused on. But uh, in 2008, when the market crashed and you watched the news every day um, about all the terrible things that were going on, um, what really came to light was when the phones rang, people were getting divorced. People, um, pe- people were closing businesses. Um, you know, there's a lot, there was a lot of different reasons to continue to do appraisals that um, I had never anticipated it would be a segue for us to continue doing business and good times and bad. So yeah. um, our diversity and the services that we offer are flexible enough that, um, you know, that we've done, we've done well in good times and bad. Um, uh, this most recent downturn with, with COVID, mm-hmm. um, you would, you know, you, I, I kind of assumed I, I at one point I looked at, um, Hey, I'm going to have some time to do stuff. I have projects around the house that I need to do. There's some things I wanted to do. <laughs> I'm going to have all this free time on my hand. I'm going to put them to good use. I mean, honestly, I ever since COVID kicked in, I haven't. I've been working long hours. I work on the weekends. Um, uh, we're constantly busy because um, one of the one of the things that I you know that I didn't really think about with COVID is. Divorces are sky high. Estate settlements are sky high. Through the roof. And um, we're, we have a record number of collections that we need to appraise for both divorces and estates. Mm-hmm. Um, folks all around the country that are doing appraisals, um, you know, in their local markets, are they're getting impacted by um, record numbers of, of appraisals for those divorces and estates. Um, uh, COVID's kind of wrapping up now, and you'd think things would kind of die off a little bit. But guess what? All those people that have been sitting at home for the last year and a half haven't been driving. They all got in their cars and they went on the freeway and crashed. And so we have claims for insurance companies are are right now are, are pretty high. And um, and in I mean I have more appraisals now than um, than I, we can actually do. And and um, you know, periodically I I turn people down um, just because I, I just want to do the easy ones. Yeah, <laughs> well done. And line of least resistance, I'm all for that. <laughs> There'd be a lot of people on this call, David, who are very interested in this. And um, I'd love if you could, if you could explain the benefits of, um, I, I guess, the franchise business model and why would it be of uh, benefit for someone to get into such a thing? Uh, I, I, for me, I mean, I'm a franchisor, but I think from the franchisee's perspective, one of the best things 
that I can offer a franchisee is we've learned, we have a lot of experience doing this. Yeah. And we've been doing it, uh, not only just the appraisals, but we've been doing, we've been uh, supporting our franchisees in the field and um, with, you know, providing our experience to even somebody that's new, um, the longer we do this, the quicker we can get somebody up and running and doing something that they may be passionate about. So I'm not going to sign somebody up to support a territory unless they have, um, you know, met the prerequisites. And the biggest being, you know, be a car enthusiast um, and, and, you know, and, uh, you know, have the, have the, the, the yearning to go out and, you know, do something on their own and create it. Well, I can, I can shorten that process, process up a lot mm-hmm. by providing to them are basically it's here's our solution. When when you get into Auto Appraisal Network, we have worked out all the bugs. We we're constantly addressing new bugs that are that pop up. Yeah. Um, we, we're going to have new challenges like COVID that pop up, and um, we have we work with a lot of different um, vendors that uh, that help us. We work with vendors that uh, haven't in the past, and we can kind of point them away from those vendors and you know get them in in in, in a direction with. Uh, um, you know, are successful people. So it's Auto Appraisal Network, and we have a network of people that have been very successful, and uh, those individual franchisees can help out existing franchisees, and we all work together as one big network. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Now, I, 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 you talked about development of a, a software earlier, and now I'm thinking um, leading into systems and mobility. Do you uh, rely heavily on on systems, and do you have like auto appraisers taking out tablets or things like that to to do the appraisals? What's the actual process? Is it similar across your network? Yeah, um, the we have. In the early days, I developed a simple um, software application um, that kind of, um, uh, when you when you open it up and start doing an appraisal, it kind of morphs around whatever the requirement is. So we offer a lot of different services on a lot of different kinds of vehicles. And so as you go through the process of entering an appraisal into our system, um, it it's going to adapt to um, uh, you know to the, the notes and options and all the different things that you're going to see in a vehicle. Are going to kind of morph around what you need it to be, um, but not limit you to whatever whatever um, you know you're looking at. So you have the flexibility to, um, as an example, use options from a hot rod to do uh, you know to do a, a prior loss appraisal on a vehicle. Um, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be a dead stock vehicle. So we have a lot of flexibility that's built into the software, and it is being developed. Um, in the early days, we um, we took the application and we adapted it to run on a tablet. Um, but what we found um, is due to um, the, the the volume of pictures that we take for each appraisal, and the and being able to communicate with our servers uh, in our home office, tablets don't have the um, they just don't have the horsepower um, yeah. to handle an appraisal like a laptop does. So up until now, we've been primarily working with um, laptop computers, um, digital cameras in our in our software application. Um, just today, I'm working with a, uh, a new, um, I have a new developer um, that works with me, and um, we're, up, we're again upgrading the older systems to the newer systems to include, you know, uh, um, um, all the new computers are coming out with 64-bit applications. Um, we have new, new ways to process credit cards um, that, the, uh, that the appraiser can handle in the field instead of having it come in the office for us to uh, um, 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 process. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you'll put a, you know, you put some credit card information and there'll be something be wrong and it won't go through. Um, if they can deal with that in the field 
and they can get confirmation that they've been paid, um, that shortens up their process, it shortens up our process, and the only thing we, we really have to focus on here in the office is uh, completing the report, and we're not getting tied up fixing credit card stuff. So we have a lot of different things that are going on, and um, I think working on a tablet or even a, even a cell phone um, in the future is certainly something that we would love to be able to do, um, but we're, we're waiting for that hardware to reach that point that it can actually handle um, the processing that's required to um, to do the photographs and, and make yeah. the connection and send that stuff to our home office. I'm, I'm one for uh, continuous improvement. Now, I can tell that uh, you are too. You like the idea of, um, I guess, incrementally making changes that benefit the entire network. Is this some sort of a way that, uh, I, I guess, a, a bit of a get-together where you talk to your uh, franchisees occasionally? How does that side of the business Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, we, we, we try to have um, at least quarterly or, or at least twice a year meetings with everyone, everyone contributing. And, um, you know, it's, it's, easy to, to, it's easy to talk to people about what's good, but the most important thing is to talk about what's not working. I always want to know what's not working because, um, you know, collectively, all the individual people, um, somebody's going to have a solution that we can implement or something that we can do different either in the field or we can do it at home. Yeah. Um, the ultimate goal is to make sure that, you know, whatever we're doing is we're still, number one, we're still having fun doing it. And we're making money doing it. And so if, if we're doing that, we want to be as efficient about it as we possibly can. And that's going to include, you know, continuous change and uh, being flexible enough to, um, you know, be, be able to do things that we don't normally do, um, uh, accommodate um, special requests and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we, we work towards that, but I, I, don't, I don't see a point where it will ever stop. Yeah. Know, we're done with the software, it's done, pack it up, and we're ready to go. I think it, we'll probably always be changing it. Always be doing something. It seems to me, uh, David, that um, you have the software, and that really is the common piece between all the franchisees in the network. Um, like many retail franchisors, is there an expectation that, I guess, you look the same, you wave the same flag, as it were? Um, what's the expectations in terms of behaviour, culture, and that sort of thing? Yeah, so, um, I mean, the appraisal process usually starts with, you know, the, your marketing effort. So, um, we have a pretty uniform marketing um, uh, message that we, we put out to people. Um, our branding, uh, we, everybody uses the same branding because we're on appraisal network, we all work together. Um, everything that we do is, is, is cohesive and we, that way we can, everyone can leverage off the same um, type of stuff. All of our websites, while the content is different, they all have the same look and feel. Um, yeah. Because we centrally process the appraisal reports, as they come through the office, there are certain things that we do um, that uh, we need to keep up with. Uh, you know, maybe a, a you know a laws changed, or there's certain verbiage that we want to add that we uh, that you know that we learned from going to court one day. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot. But we get input from people all the time, and and sometimes it you know it comes across as maybe a customer complaint, and we look at that. And we go, well, maybe we could just change it across the board, and and uh, and everybody would be happy. But it's you know, it seems like the longer you go on, you'd have less of that. But we, we don't. There's always, <laughs> always somebody, you know, there's always somebody making a contribution and a change or that's something we can do different. Um, uh, it, it's, it's never ending. And so, um, you know, we, we're always looking for new new things to do and new ways to do it. And 
um, you know, if there's something going on out there that, that that's a trend, uh, we want to find out, you know, what that is and how it applies to you. But a lot of things that we do, um, other other organizations don't, and so we're we're kind of um, we're kind of you know, we we we're, we're setting the pace right now for for the appraisal business. Yeah, that's excellent. So credit to you, all the hard work that you're doing. But it mustn't be, it mustn't feel like hard work given the passion that you have for this. You wake up of a morning, you know what? I can't sleep. I've got to get up and got to do stuff. Is that how you feel? <laughs> you hit the you hit the nail right on the head. I I don't sleep. I wake up at three o'clock in the morning with a whole bunch of stuff that I have ideas about, and I yep. get up and I try to implement them and, and 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 go out and see what I can do or research this, or research that, and you know, maybe nine out of 10 of them don't work out, but every once in a while you hit on one and um, it, uh, it's something that we, we implement and, and we, we do going forward. So, um, and, and, and I get great feedback from our people in the field. Um, uh, we, we, you know, we, we talk with one another and mm-hmm. we try to figure things out. There are, there's appraisers out there in our network that I, I'm really very, very comfortable with um, um, them knowing, you know, the, the you know, um, the ins and outs of the appraisal, they are, have an interest in it, where we have some that are not really interested in the ins and outs of the appraisal business. They just want to make sure they're getting done and getting done on a regular basis. Others are intimately, you know, embedded in the, in the process, understand it. And I, I love having them around to bounce stuff off of and talk to them about things and change this and change that. And what can we do different? And, you know, yeah. Oh, look, I, I know that there's a lot of people on this call that are really enjoying it, and I appreciate you opening up and sharing uh, some of the inside rail to what happens uh, inside the business. Now, there's also a lot of terminology that uh, people looking into this for the first time may not understand. I'm wondering if you could share with me, what does diminished value claim mean? <laughs> well, I mean... Um you know the, the the funny thing about uh, diminished value is it's it's it, it's a terrible uh, it's a terrible service to try to market because nobody knows what diminished value is. When you really think about you know what it means, you can kind of tell you know somehow the values change for whatever reason. But I mean, diminished value is the is the is the change in value due to uh, in this case an accident. So somebody yeah. been in an accident and they get their car fixed, they get it back, and for whatever reason whether they're going to try to resell it or a later date, they're going to use it for a trade-in or they're going to sell it private party. They're not going to be able to sell it for as much money as they could have had is if it didn't have this accident. And so, you know, when you really take a look at that, you know, well, what's the root cause? Well, the guy that hit me hit my car and devalued my car. So there is, there are damages there. And so diminished value was actually developed by insurance companies in the past um, to cover um, cer- certain requirements that they had, because they were they were basically uh, leasing cars out to rental car companies. Rental car companies were crashing them, and yep. then they needed some way to you know how are we going to quantify the loss of value due to these accidents, and how are we going to be compensated? And so that you know you, when you rent a car at uh, you know at the rental rental counter, they're going to charge you twenty dollars a day for insurance. Well, if you look at Rental car insurance times 365 days. You go, wow, that's some super expensive insurance. <laughs> um, how do they justify that? Well, they justify it with diminished value and the loss of value because they rented this car out and they got it back and they lost a bunch of money. Yeah. Late, you know, fast forward to probably the late 90s, um, the insurance companies, even though they invented it, they denied it. They said, oh, wait a minute. 
That was for us. That was not for you. We developed diminished value for us to get compensated. It wasn't for us to compensate you. You. And so you go and you look at the case laws. What are the what are the laws on the books that yep. justify them charging that twenty dollar rental rate? We have diminished value. And you know the basic concept behind it is the car's lost value because it's been an accident. Well, guess what? You turn it around, we package it, and we go back to the insurance company and say, hey. My, my client has lost value on his vehicle because your client was at fault in this accident. He's therefore liable for the loss of value. And for years and years and years, the insurance company would not pay these claims. Went to court yeah. and brought them and, you know, did all the, did, did, you know, put all the, the, the case law together and now they're paying them. And so on a regular basis, um, people, you know, call and nobody calls and asks for dementia. They call. And the, the, you know, the basic story is, hey, I've been in an accident. And I know when I go to sell this car, I'm not going to be able to sell it for as much had I not been in this accident. What do I do? What do I do? So, you know, we go out, we market the service, we provide the service to people, we help them, you know, file these claims and, um, you know, get paid for their loss. Whether they sell the car or, they, or, 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 or you, know, the turn, you know, they turn it in as a trade-in. Um, at some point, they have to be compensated or they should be compensated for that loss that occurred in the past, and that's what we help them with. There's some things that have come out of that that you were talking about, insurance uh, companies, and uh, one, of the, one of the things that came to mind was relationships. You must have a lot of relationships, and I'd love to learn a little bit more about that and how it affects your franchisees. And um, do they have to take care of their own insurances? How does that, that side of everything work? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, as far as individuals and, and their insurance coverage, it's a business. So, yeah. you know, I tell everyone that comes to Auto Appraisal Network, you know, you're, you you need to have liability insurance, whether it's, you know, through, through you know, your personal car or you have a, a business liability insurance, whatever it is, you as an individual are going to be liable for anything that happens that you have control over. So if an individual's out taking a picture of a car and they drop their camera, that's their fault and they're liable for those damages. And so they need to have insurance coverage for that. And there's, uh, you know, the thing about, you know, liability insurance for individuals um, is that the first couple of years, there's no, you don't have a history and, no, and there's no claims. And so they charge you a lot more. But as, as you are out there and you have the coverage and you've been paying your premiums without any claims, the, it drops down. So it's very, the, the liability insurance that our individuals in the field have uh, is very affordable. Now, yeah. as a as a business here in the office, we have what's called errors and, and errors and omissions. So that if we make a mistake or something we have control over, and we make a mistake on a report and it's we're held liable for it, we have insurance for it. So at every at every turn, we have some kind of insurance coverage that um, is going to protect us to keep us from losing, you know, what we've worked hard for. Um, and and you know that you know it does come at a cost, but. Um, you know, it's one of those things. It's um, it's like gambling in Las Vegas. Yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do what you need to do to protect yourself, and uh, in this day and age, it's insurance. Well, it's a litigious world we live in. We obviously need people like you at the front of the pack to to guide the rest of the team along. And, and again, it, uh, there's a lot of work that goes in, in into it. Now, I'm looking at uh, your bio and uh, I uh, looked over to the website and there's a lot going on there. Now, um, when people want to find you, where are they going to find you? And when they get there, what's on your website? 
I mean, they're, they're most likely going to be, you know, inquiring about, uh, you know, either being an appraiser or they're looking for an appraisal service. So mm-hmm. when they go to our website, there's going to be, you know, uh, there's going to be some pages in there that are going to be specifically dealing with the different types of services that we offer. Um, you know, we, we don't uh, we don't want to spend a lot of time uh, on, on the ins and outs of it because every everybody comes to us and they have something special about their needs or maybe something special about an accident they've been in maybe something special about a car they've had built or they're going through, you know, everybody always calls them. They're always, a, they're, I don't want to say they're ashamed, but they always uh, kind of, um, you know, beat around the bush. I'm, I'm getting divorced. And I need yeah. So, you know, whatever they call for, you know, obviously, you know, discretion's, you know, going to be important in, in those situations, but they also have a need. Um, as an example, you know, people are getting divorced. You always assume a husband's keeping the car. I, I had a lady call and she had a race car and she was keeping the car and she, so, you know, there's a lot of things that you have to, you know, you have to, you know, talk to them about, understand, you know, what their situation is and navigate. No, don't make an assumption because yep. you, you come <laughs> across people you. every day that you, you go, okay. And I, I advise all my people. I say, well, the best thing you can do is keep your mouth closed and listen to what they have to say. And when they say something important, acknowledge that you understood what they said because that that goes a long way to uh, you know booking the you know booking the appraisal, getting the job, and establishing a relationship with that individual uh, that they're comfortable with. Yeah, that's wonderful feedback. So, uh, where is the actual what is the uh, actual website domain? Uh, AutoAppraisalNetwork.com. Fantastic. That's an easy one to remember. Now, if you're tuning into today's call and you're looking for that link, go down below the post. No matter where you find it, you should find that link back to uh, Auto Appraisal Network and and David and his wonderful team. And uh, you know what, David, this has just touched the surface of what we could talk about. I'm pretty sure and certain of that. But with all that being said, I've really enjoyed having a conversation with you today on the My Future Business Show. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh I, I, I always uh, enjoy telling people about you know what we know and how we can help people. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends, and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.